Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. On this episode of Big Boys Don't Cry, we discuss the film Under the Cherry Moon, directed by and starring Prince. You don't have to have seen the film to enjoy the podcast, but if you do proceed without having seen the film, just be aware that the plot of the film, thin as it is, will be spoiled for you. Enjoy. Happy 100 episodes! Whoop, 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 whoop. Can you believe it? 100 episodes. I know, We've it's amazing. We've been doing this podcast annually for an entire century. <laughs> if you cast your mind back to 1919, it was, a very, it was a very, very different time, you know? We'd just won the war, the Great War for Great Britain... <laughs> And and the podcast was created by the government as a means to um, create unity among a divided Europe. And I think yeah. we achieved that. <laughs> it came from the mind of a young Clement Attlee. <laughs> <laughs> who, just, who, who released, of course, the first podcast. Yes. And, and back then it was on actual pods. So, you know, like you go to the supermarket now or fancy places like Whole Foods, you got you, you got your vanilla pods. It's like that, or like like a cocoa pod, and we had an abundance of those because we were a great nation who just killed a bunch of people in a war and stolen all the pods from them. So Atlee would personally sit there all day in his prime ministerial office and just like scribble his messages on these pods, and then that became the podcasts. Yes, because um, what people don't realise is that they were um, glued together to form a ring that you put around your arm, like a cast for a broken uh, limb. And what you do is, much like with vinyl records, you would um, play them. And um, as as it played, it would release the audio of people talking about certain things. Um, and that is where podcast comes from. Yeah. Uh, Atlee would sit there with a, with a knife and like scratch the audio into into the pods. Like, like, like the grooves on a record, how it's all kind of scratched in there. And then everyone exactly. was sitting there, like, you know, on the steam train, London Underground, as it was back then, or on horseback, you know, just casually getting their latest news from, from old Clemmy. The London Horse Ground, <laughs> as it was known. <laughs> Definitely the, the actual name for it. <laughs> Definitely the correct name. Yeah. Um, so, hello. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, well, episode 100. This is really, really fantastic. 100 weeks is almost two years. So obviously when we get to episode 104, we'll have to celebrate again, because that means two years. Yes. Um, because we've managed to do one every week for nearly two years, which is amazing. It is amazing. I've thoroughly enjoyed myself, and I hope our listeners have as well. Yeah, I hope so too. And, you know, I, I don't want to talk talk about the show on the show too much, but I think it's allowed when you reach this kind of milestone. But I genuinely have watched a lot of films that I think I would not have watched otherwise and I've mostly enjoyed them. Yeah, I agree. I think there's lots of movies that we've watched that I would not necessarily have watched otherwise. Um, some of them I regret, such as this <laughs> week's film. <laughs> yeah, you texted me saying, fuck this film. And all I have to, all I have to say in response is, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Paddy, yeah, do you want to so do the honours under, of explaining? Under the, under the Cherry Moon is Prince's directorial debut. You know, if you, you think of Prince, the ta- a towering figure, not not physically. I mean, in, <laughs> in, in, ter- in terms of his his musical presence, his fame, his horniness. You know, you think of Prince as the, you know the, this towering figure in culture. Um, you know, as well as being an amazing musician and composer and, and dancer and performer and whatever else, he's also a talented film man. And this was his second film after after Purple Rain, which we reviewed back in episode fifty two. Um, and our conclusion of Purple Rain was we were broadly aligned. I think I liked it more than you did because I'm more maybe just like more of a Prince fan. But um, was that it was vi- very odd and flawed, but because it was Prince, it's, he sort of got away with it, even though it was problematic. But I kind of love it, and even though it's so weird, um, yeah. And I think I kind of feel similar about Under the Cherry Moon. I, y- you know, it's it's not as good as Purple Rain, 
mainly because Purple Rain is so strong with the songs. That's his his best and most famous album, and you're kind of waiting for all the songs to come, and all the songs are performed in the, like it's a real musical. Whereas the way that the music works in Under the Cherry Moon is actually kind of weird. There aren't really any big musical numbers or anything. It's not a musical in the traditional sense. Um, the songs just kind of weave their way in and out, and there are bits where they sort of sing and dance to them, um, and bits where he reads the lyrics to his own song <laughs> yeah as a kind of reflective yeah, outro that. monologue <laughs> um, um yeah so i think it actually would have been better if it had been like a full-on musical um but the the music is definitely the best part because it's prince obviously but i think it still has a sort of weird ethereal charm to it but i'm guessing you don't think so no i do not agree <laughs> <laughs> um why don't I you think, just come out and say it you hate prince i hate prince i yeah. hate his incredible music <laughs> um and and i think i i do think we were kind of on the same wavelength of purple rain i know that i liked it less than you did but we both kind of agreed that there was that there was this kind of charisma and charm to it yeah um that made it worth watching um and i think that is completely absent in under the cherry moon um, this is one of the most awkward, boring, uncharismatic, dull, unfunny films I've ever had the displeasure of watching. I really hated it. And I'm not someone, you know, I, I like Prince and I listen to Prince's music. Um, and I thought it was absolutely atrocious. And I've never had the sense that I, I've never had the sense that Prince was an uncharismatic man because he's not until I watched this movie where I mean he he's is... one of the most charismatic men in the history of men yeah and 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 in this movie you don't get that you get this unbelievably wooden weird performance where he's basically walking around like a shit vampire the entire <laughs> time playing an incredibly unlikable character preying on other unlikable characters um where you kind of don't care or really know what's going on at any given moment there is when I watched this film, the immediate thing that sprung to mind was, oh, it's a bit like The Room in terms of <laughs> how you feel. But The Room so has... Weird non-secretors. And... Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, and, and I think the real thing that, that, that is, is strange about this film is the way that characters' emotions flip on a coin edge where suddenly they'll go oh, I'm going to jump around like a little kid and then I'm going to make kissy faces at someone, which is a very Wazo kind of thing to do. Um, but it <laughs> cheep, doesn't have cheep, that. Cheep. <laughs> yeah, you could imagine that happening in Under the Cherry Moon, but it doesn't have that sense of earnestness and that kind of cult bad enjoyment to it at all. It's just really bad. <laughs> See, I some of the badness I found extremely entertaining. I think because I was just seeing it through the lens of Prince just doing whatever the fuck he wanted to do and and doing it with a bit more of a goofy sense of humor this time but because he's framing it all in a way that's so serious with it being black and white and it being set in the French Riviera and with all the kind of like um jazz age art deco styling of it is all very very serious and then he's just there goofing around all the time and you're like Prince did you ever think that that was going to work you you are you are so you are so brilliantly wonderfully deluded and I love you. <laughs> and it, it is delusion is the right thing because this clearly wasn't made as a movie that's supposed to be enjoyed in a corny, cheesy way. No. There's supposed to be a real drama behind it. And I find that the more dramatic moments are funny and the funny moments are awful, awkward terror. Yeah, um, yeah, th absolutely. Th th this film has burnt a hole in my heart, Paddy. <laughs> I think Prince would be happy to hear you say that. <laughs> I don't think he would. He was a man that was all about heart and other organs. But I think... <laughs> <laughs> so So, in terms of what this movie is about, um, Prince is a scam artist. Him and Tricky, his friend, played by Jerome Benton. Of, of Purple Rain fame. Of, of Purple Rain fame. Where he was not the main... Um... Not the main other guy, but his like sidekick. His goofy no, because he, he, used, he used to be part of um the time didn't he yeah, yeah um and then he joined prince and the family at prince, some point prince I think. and the revolution no the the other band prince and the family all right it's funny because like on the um weird spin-offs they're like i don't know if he was sequence. ever part of the revolution well on the credits sequence um of this film it said all music by prince and the revolution and it listed all the members and jerome benton's name was among them 
Oh, okay. So maybe he was just involved in the film music. Yeah, because he was part of... Because Prince had lots and lots of different projects that he did over the years. Yeah. Um, And one of them was The Family, which was made up of a bunch of other musicians. And I think eventually they had a bit of a falling out or Prince got bored and was like, I'm not doing anything with you anymore. Yeah. But maybe he was part of the revolution as well. Um, It was a kind of rotating door (laughs) kind of situation um with some of the members but yeah and 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 they play these um these two yeah they're like scam artists where they basically gigolos like yeah they're they're gigolos but they don't just they don't just act as gigolos they they seduce women and then they steal their money and they're eyeing up this um woman who's just turned 21 uh played by Kristen scott thomas in her film um, debut. In her film debut. If she hadn't done this, maybe we wouldn't have had her very, very aloof performance in Four Weddings and a Funeral. It's true. It's true. And so, yeah, they they basically go, oh, yeah, well, we're going to go scam this 21-year-old girl. They attempt to do that, but Prince falls for her, apparently. And she <laughs> yeah, falls for apparently. him, apparently. You're supposed to believe it, even though... There, there is no, kind of there's no sign of it whatsoever. Very little attention to the pacing of how a love story should effectively work. <laughs> it's yeah. just like, so I can't even remember what happens first. They crash her 21st birthday party in which she appears in front of all the guests wearing just a towel so that you know that she's extroverted and kooky. And then they have like some sort of weird altercations with her. And Prince throughout the film does the same thing that he does in Purple Rain, where he like basically just pushes women in lakes and negs them and is kind of awful. And that's the, that's actually very uncomfortable. And I was like, don't do that, Prince. You're better than this. You're full of love. You're you're out here talking about love. And then you, you just told your girlfriend to shut up. Be nice. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of that in this film. So there's a lot of scenes where he like negs her. But then, of course, she's like... Oh yeah, I love you. Even and, and he like prank calls her dad, and he's kind of kind of an obnoxious ass, and she like seems to be resisting him most of the time. But then, of course, by the time he's ready to die for her, because he would die for you, he is he's on a boat, and then he gets literally murdered by her dad. <laughs> yeah, he gets shot and killed, and he dies, and yeah. then he's in heaven singing songs. Yeah, did you watch all of the end credits? I did watch all of the end credits. I thought yeah. it was great. That's that's one of my favorite end credit sequences of all time. If nothing else about this film, that is a brilliant end credit. Sequence. I was certainly pleased to see this film end. Um, <laughs> this this is an absolute trash pile, Paddy. I know you love Prince. I know but you you cannot get around the fact that this film is an absolute trash pile and not in an entertaining way. No, it it is total rubbish. <laughs> it's really bad. <laughs> it is it is stinky garbage. Stinky cheese garbage. But um, but so... it's beautiful garbage. You know like how like an arty photographer might go to a like a a trash a landfill and maybe take some artsy photos of some trash in a landfill and then hang it on a wall in a gallery and be like here's my exhibition and then people people would come and be like oh yeah, look at that. It's beautiful. This film is like that. No, this film is like this film is the equivalent of a famous actor being in a really bad band because it's <laughs> it's it's the mirror don't you image dare of this. talk about Keanu Reeves that way. <laughs> I will hear no bad words about Dogstar, the greatest grunge band <laughs> that ever was. But feel free um, to talk about Johnny Depp in that way. Yeah, imagine if Johnny Depp. I, he seems. He, he seems. He's in some shit. Band, he seems he? like the kind of person who would like rock up at an open mic night and sing a cover of Layla. Doesn't oh he? god, yeah. And and yeah, so he it, this is someone whose wheelhouse is in one art form believing that they can create art in another art form with and it having just though, about gotten away with it with a previous film. Yeah, and and in a previous film that was entirely propelled by their quality in a different art form. Half of which that film is just the concert film. <laughs> Yes, yeah, because because the the last twenty minutes of Purple Rain is just a Prince concert, and that's great. Um, there is there is not an equivalent in Under the Cherry Moon, and it also no part part of what worked so well about Purple Rain is that it has that smoky eighties quality to it. It's got that sleazy eighties charm um, yeah. that sort of ties in so well. It's so integral to Prince's entire 
modus operandi almost. Whereas under the cherry moon tries to go for something else and it just it was really awful. Yeah. Um, like at first you're not even sure when it's set because of the, the black and white and the Art Deco styling and the French Riviera and everything. You're like, is is are we in the nineteen twenties? And he's like playing a playing the piano in the bar and it's all classy and stuff and you're like is this really old but no it's actually set like in 1986 it's just yeah. all done up to to sort of you know in a very very cheap way try and harken back to some very very abstract notion of hollywood classic i guess yeah i think it's trying to emulate like classic 50s movies I think people haven't commented on that because it's the least of the film's problems. <laughs> yeah, no one, no one watches this movie and's immediate thought is like, hmm, there seems to be some issues with the timeline. Here. <laughs> um, it is, it is really, really quite awful. And I think there's not a lot going for it at all. Yes, the music's good, but it's not. The music is very, very good. But it's, it's got not... a lot of the songs that actually became hits, like Kiss, is in there. Yeah. Just to just so that he could throw in his own music while he kisses Kristen Scott Thomas. Can I just point out that the kissing in this film is some of the most horrible kissing I think I've ever seen. And I've seen like yeah. drunk people kissing at two in the morning covered in gravy and chips outside a club. <laughs> it, it It is uncomfortable to watch ki- like the two leads kissing in this movie. It's really revolting. I can't believe you'd tell everyone about my gravy incident. <laughs> the gravy kiss. <laughs> yeah, that was the, the name of our band at the time. <laughs> Hi, we're the gravy kiss. Um, it is really, yeah, the, the kissing in this film looks really horrible. Don't, didn't you think whenever? Yeah, yeah it's, 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 it's like, real, like real lip sucking, really grabby and gropey. Yeah, it's really horrible. Um, it looks like he's unleashed a worm into Kristen Scott Thomas's mouth. Um, and it's all on really extreme close-ups as well so you're just looking at like half their faces kissing one another for uncomfortably long periods of time yeah it's it's really like in profile in a way that you don't want to see a kiss in like direct profile in that way yeah it is it is vile it is it is really vile um that's going to be not not even the amazing hit kiss can salvage it at that point. no no and so so the music is good but it's not as though like i, I don't feel like the music is as is integral to the feeling of this movie as it was with purple rain because as no. you said there's this weird feeling of where is this film set what the hell is going on why is this terrible vampire man walking around stealing women i honestly thought it was like maybe the 50s or even earlier until suddenly they get out a giant shiny incongruous boombox play on it and then he starts jumping on the piano and they're dancing to girls and boys which is an absolute banger that's the best best song in the film and at that point i'm like yeah all right let's let's get the party going yeah come on funk it up and then suddenly it's back to like um, sort of plinky piano music in the background and like suddenly Stephen Burkhoff's there and he's furious. Yeah, he is livid. Um, he he is really angry about, um, and, and understandably angry about this obvious scam artist trying to con his daughter out of lots of money. Yeah, and like prank, prank calling him and stuff. Yeah, he, like, he is treated very badly by Prince. I wouldn't say he's treated badly enough to murder the man, because I mean, he's a rich, wrong. he's a rich asshole. And yeah, he and he is a he is a, he is a wrongun. Um, I mean, he has a history of playing wrongans. He's, he's yeah, I'm go- I'd say that like he's just p- playing all of his previous roles rolled into one, <laughs> and that actually makes for a competent performance here. I would say. Yeah, I, there, there's a few people in this movie that I feel bad for. Um, Stephen Burkhoff is one of them. He didn't deserve to be in this. Um, <laughs> Kristen Scott Thomas. I think has kind of disowned this film since then. And I do feel bad for her. And you, you can see that she's oh, really, really? Tr- she's really trying in this film to do something with it. And her performance at least has like energy to it. Yeah. Whereas I I was so disappointed in Prince's performance in this. Yeah. He, he's it, just really mumbly. And it feels, it feels like a movie that was directed by its lead actor, who is also an incredibly popular like celebrity there there is this clear sense of no creative restriction no challenge back yeah absolutely and that uh, that's why i was so fascinated by it i think because you're like this is a real insight into prince's mind and man it's it's nuts 
Yeah, it's it's really strange, even stranger than Purple Rain. Apparently, by the way, Prince took over from the original director because of creative differences. Yeah. You can read into that what you will. Yeah. The the, the original director was um, Mary Lambert, who um, directed lots of Madonna videos. Right. Did the original Pet Cemetery. Oh, nice. There's there's a new version of that coming out, isn't there? There is, and it looks rather good, I think. Yeah. The the trailer looks pretty decent. Got the classic Stephen King font on it. The um something else that's had its trailer released is um the Joker movie starring Joaquin Phoenix. Have you seen that? No, yet? I have not. The trailer I... came out today. It looks amazing. I have not much interest in that, but he is a brilliant actor. So if it was going to be anyone, he's the kind of person who could compel me to watch that. Because I think that the Joker is one of those characters that's had some incredible performances over the years. Um, like Jack Nicholson in the in the eighties film. What's that and one where it's um, like some people call me the space cowboy, but a little, exactly. little, little, little. other people call me the Joker. <laughs> um, <laughs> in a movie with, of course, music by Prince. Um, <laughs> so that's how we tie this in, by the way, because obviously that that movie had Prince songs in it. Yeah, I I will put it out there and say that Bat Dance is a classic. It's a great song. Um, but then, obviously, Heath Ledger was incredible in The Dark Knight. Uh, what's his face, Jared Leto? Not as good. I have not in, seen in it, but he seems like a dick. <laughs> <laughs> Never met him. No, very little. I can't. About I him. can't. I can't comment on the man. I like some of his movies. Uh, well, I don't really like his. I don't really like his band very much. Their first album was kind of interesting. Thirty seconds it was this to weird, Mars. Yeah, yeah. It was. It, it had this. The, the first album was this weird space rock stuff. And I'm like, okay, this is kind of strange. It's a bunch of people that like. You kind of feel like the people in this band probably imagine that they're in space whilst they're playing these songs. Yeah. that's fair enough. And then they they got a bit emo-y. Bit, they sort of came around emo-y. just at the time when I was getting emo fatigue and I wasn't interested. Yeah, exactly. And it was very highly produced, polished, emo-y music, which never works. Yeah. So yeah, I'm on board with it. It's one of the most interesting like villains from a thematic perspective in comic books. And I think having a movie entirely focusing on them is a big gamble. So I'm intrigued to see how they've done it. But it certainly looks impressive so far. I'm hoping the end result when it comes out later this year will be worth it. Yeah. And have you seen the... Um trailer for stranger things 3 yes yeah i'm yeah. very excited about that obviously i'm looking forward to seeing every other thing i like from the 80s that they haven't <laughs> already put into the series yeah yeah whatever's next <laughs> oh it comes out the day before my birthday it's gonna be um they haven't brought in look who's talking yet do you remember look who's talking oh my god hell yeah and that's what's gonna happen honey next. i shrunk the kids yeah there's gonna be some honey i shrunk the kids action and they're going to go, oh, it's just like that movie. And then look to the camera and go, you know what you're t- what we're talking about. Yeah. You know. That's why you're watching this show. Wait, wait, you wait. Love wait. Kel- you love the nostalgia, don't you? <laughs> it says Carrie Elways is in it. Was he in it before? No, I don't think he was. Holy but yeah, he's going to be shit. in the third one. I love him so much. He's really under underappreciated. He is an amazing actor, Carrie Elways. Yeah. Obviously, he's in The Princess Bride, but he's also on thing that I, a role that I think is really underappreciated is he's like the, the the cool stepdad in Liar Liar who's really trying. Oh, yeah. The loser stepdad yeah. who's really lovely. And he, he, he's he's trying, trying so, so hard. hard. <laughs> oh, I love him so I much. Really, I really like him in Liar Liar. That's great. He, he's also in Shadow of the Vampire, which is a massively underrated horror comedy. Um, about the making of Nosferatu, but it turns out that the person playing Nosferatu is a real vampire. It's it's an <laughs> awesome, completely off the wall um, horror film uh, starring John Malkovich and uh, Willem Dafoe. It's it's awesome, and it's it's got uh, yeah, it's got Carrie Elwes in it as well, and Eddie Izzard <laughs> as well. Is, is in it. It's really good. That sounds um, ridiculous. <clears throat> It's an incredible movie, and it's actually got some very creepy moments in it, as well as the the funnier bits. Pro tip, people listening, don't watch Under the Cherry Moon. Go <laughs> and watch Shadow of the Vampire no, instead. Uh, you're not going to say that. You're not going to recommend that people don't watch this film, surely? Like it's. So you do not think it's interesting as a, as a curiosity? No, I really don't. This is someone masturbating over silicon. <laughs> it's this. This is just masturbatory nonsense i really don't recommend people watch it i i, I think it, it's I more than that i think even, that's doing it a disservice 
I don't even think it's interesting as a curio. It's a even just the way that film. the way that the music works with uh, like works its way through the film is but, is uh, enough for it think... not to be that. Surely, I don't think that the music integrates itself well enough into the film to warrant it. Um, I think the music is very good, but it's very jarring from the film itself. So I feel as though there's this real clash between when the music comes in and the nonsense that's going on on screen. So, I mean, the music is great because it's a diversion from having to pay attention to what you're watching. But um, I don't think it works very well together. Wait, what about what about the bit where they ask her if she's going to go to the Recosto? That is that is very Just, funny. It's It's the most funny thing I've ever seen. <laughs> It's so funny. I also liked the bit where Prince went into the back seat of the car and put some sunglasses on and sat in <laughs> that, silence for 15 seconds that, for no reason. That did really make me laugh as well. That was like, at this point, he's given up trying to make a serious film and he's just trolling because he's already decided that it's going to end with him like be, get, getting shot and it's going to be all like he gave up his life for love even though no one asked him to. Um, and that's like the most romantic thing ever because with love there is no death or whatever blah blah totes emotion. he'd already decided that that was going to happen but he was like to get from this point to that point what do I do I know I'm just going to put some sunglasses on and sit here it that that really really made me laugh because it was so stupid and it was like you know that he knows that it's stupid but he's going to do it anyway because he's prince does he know it's stupid though? I feel like he does know. I don't think he recognized how bad this film was. Oh no, I I think he was still convinced that it was genius, but there's there's a there's a goofiness to it that I think is a little bit self-aware. Uh I don't know. Like he he walks know, in. He, he's... I think your love of Prince is clouding your judgment here about how bad this movie is. I don't think there's anything self-aware about it. And unlike the room there's nothing endearing about it not having any kind of self-reflection it is just bad really 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 bad i i don't i've i've been playing around in my head as to whether i think this movie is as bad as baywatch and i'm come thinking, on don't the music obviously is much better but baywatch did have that scene with that dead guy in that made me actually laugh what and scene it's with a what comedy that made guy? me laugh where they're, they're touching the dead guy's dick in the morgue <laughs> Do you remember <laughs> Baywatch? <laughs> okay, yeah, that very disgusting scene was genuinely yeah. funny. <laughs> that, that disgusting scene made me laugh, whereas nothing in this movie made me laugh. The closest it got was the the, the record store um, the record dad store. joke. <laughs> <laughs> it's just that's the well, closest it got. I'm going to become a dad in less than a month, so I'm. You're allowed to. I'm allowed. I'm. To. Yeah. I'm. That shit is down with me now. What What I'd recommend, listeners, is rather than watching it, just find like a best of compilation online. There must be. Yeah. There must be one Prince fan out there who thinks that this movie is genuinely good, who compiled the best bits of it into ten minutes. Well, this is also where all of those black and white gifts of Prince come from, which you realise this yeah. when you're watching this film. You're like, I have seen this in GIF form on the internet so much, Ma- yeah. mainly. So, me tweeting it from our band's account but and and believe me when i say that by doing that you're not missing out on any kind of plot coherence if all you do is look at gifts of prints in black and white you'll get about as much from the story as you do from watching the gifts watching the full movie did you not find it funny when okay so he's he's stood tricky up he's been like oh yeah i'll meet you at the bar and then obviously he goes off with mary and they have sex in a cove or some shit and then he comes home um and jerome is there waiting and he goes sorry i got waylaid and jerome goes no you got let aid <laughs> which has sounded like nicholas cage <laughs> did that not make you laugh no it didn't because it did not make me laugh it made me laugh because it was so stupid and also when jerome's getting beaten up by the french goons one of them has a really bad accent and he goes oh no my new tie that made me laugh. Oh yeah, that did make me laugh. And then, <laughs> the, weirdly, the... Jerome says to the other guy, "Only confused men wear loafers," <laughs> which is yeah. I think it was a attempt to say you're a gay man, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. And it's like, okay, that's really weird. <laughs> <laughs> this movie is made in 1986. <laughs> yeah, even though there's like a, a heavy implication that Prince and Tricky are having threesomes with their sexy French landlady, so they don't have to pay their rent. Yeah, it's a weird film. It's a really weird, boring film. This is like 
the strange person who rides on the bus who you're pretty sure is a racist, but you don't want to talk to him too much to find out. And there's a bit when he shouts piss. Yeah, there is. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not sure how you're trying to sell this to me, Paddy. There's a bit in this movie where a man says the word piss. Thank you. That's about the level of humour in Baywatch. Yeah, but Baywatch had them touching a man's a dead man's dick. <laughs> oh, so you'd have liked it if after Prince died, Tricky just reached down and felt his knob. Yeah, you could say he truly was a legend whilst touching the dead man's penis. Come on, come on, Prince. Let's have it. <laughs> I, that would have instantly made this movie better. Oh, jeez. Um, the, the one thing that I think, all the way through this movie, I was thinking there's one way in which this movie could turn it around for me, and that's if at the end they scammed her and ran off with her money, and that was how it ended. And I was yep. thinking, okay, if they managed, if they do that at the end and they really pull the wool out, if they really pull the rug out from under the audience, it's okay, a long I can con. Get on board with it. Yeah, if if the if the movie was about a long con, both in terms of the plot and in terms of audience expectations, I would have been fully on board, but um, it wasn't. And it's bad. Yeah, they should have just driven off into the sunset in his Buick, the number plate of which just says love. Yes, exactly. They should have read shit. With the the extremely unsubtle message reversed that, yes, you have to choose money or love, and they chose money. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Like, I've I've been watching Benidorm. Um, and it's a show that I remember liking the odd episode of when it was when it was first aired back in the day, the first few series. But I'd never watched the full thing. And and since it's come to Netflix, I've, we've been watching it religiously because it's really fun watching. It is funny. And we've, and, we, and we've just reached this bit where this character um, is waiting at the airport for um, like a love interest. And the love interest comes running up and it's like, I've made a decision. I, you know, and I was thinking about it long and hard and I was like, mm, do I go with love or do I, you know, or do I go with, with money? And I've decided money's really important to me. So I'm going to leave here and go back to my billionaire Russian husband. <laughs> and <laughs> it's just like, it's brilliant. I loved it. Um, and yeah, so uh, if they'd done something like that, that would have been great, but they didn't. And instead Prince dies and everyone's sad, kind of, but not really. Kind of, but not really. It immediately skips to... Jerome back in Miami with the sexy French landlady receiving a letter from Mary, which she narrates and he responds to as if they're having a conversation, even though they're not. And he seems pretty, seems pretty chill. <laughs> yeah, everyone seems pretty fine with it. They're just like, oh yeah, whatever. Yeah, it's like, oh, he really did have a penis, didn't he? Yeah, Jerome's like, I've, I've, had a t- penis. I've touched his dick. I'm satisfied. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm telling you, I'm telling you, this, this, um, it would have made it so much better. Just a bit of dead man penis touching. Oh. It would have made it so much better. It worked, it worked for The Rock. It did work for The Rock. It was the one moment in that movie that was decent. And here, If it's I'd good enough that, for The Rock, it's good enough for me. Yeah. Um, I'd say that Under the Cherry Moon is a better movie than Baywatch because it's not unbelievably cruel, which I think was the uh, no. main problem with Baywatch. Well, My, my but, problem with Baywatch was just that it was really smug. Yeah. It was, um, and and this movie is also smug, but at least it's a total trash fire. Yeah, <laughs> I think it, it's smug in an amusing way. It, it, but it is, it is one of the worst things we've watched for this podcast. Yep, like you... it, it is, it is really bad. You are totally welcome. I've noticed that there's a massive plot spoiler on the IMDb page. Is there? Um, because under plot keywords, it says "death of protagonist." <laughs> Wait, does I is, does IMDb say that it's not go that it has no spoilers in the plot bit? Is that um, is that a claim? Well, no, but I just think having death of protagonist as a plot keyword, <laughs> it's kind of a giveaway, isn't it? Yeah, well, it's um, a giveaway of it being rubbish. Also, is the very very short plot summary on on Wikipedia, which says Gigolo's Christopher Tracy and his brother Tricky swindle wealthy French women. The situation yeah. gets complicated when Christopher falls in love with heiress Mary Sharon after planning to swindle her when he finds out she receives a $50 million trust fund for her 21st birthday. Mary's father, Isaac, disapproves of the romance and provides an excellent adversary for Christopher. Christopher rivals his brother, Tricky, for the affection of Mary. It doesn't even tell you that Prince dies. No. <laughs> it does, that's not actually really the plot. That's more like the, the setup. That's like the synopsis, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, and it is... Oh. 
Oh, no. No, this film. Um, I'm trying to think of nice things to say about it. Um, because I don't like just being mean to a movie. Um, but aside from the plot... And, and there's the odd bit of, of cinematography that's decent. Yeah, like this great I, it is where, nice to look at. Like, I, I wouldn't say in general it's though, nice to look at. I think the fact that it's in black and white hides a lot of its sins. It's kind of stupid that it's in black and white. And like I said, the I, I think the only reason that Prince did that was to try and hark back to some Hollywood classic, some bullshit notion of Hollywood classicness. But I think it does lend it a certain weird charm. Yeah, I agree with you there. And I but I and I also think that it, it hides a lot of issues with framing that otherwise would look quite bad. Yeah. Um at, but there at are one a couple point, of decent I think it's the opening scene, there's like a random shot of a piano on a cliff. And I'm just like, yeah, I'll have that. <laughs> Yeah, and then it never really surfaces again, does it, that piano on a clock? It absolutely does not. <laughs> okay, great. Thanks, Prince. Um, where, whereas I do think that there's there's this great shot where Prince he goes off on a huff and he comes back into the place where he was playing piano at the beginning of the, of the movie and there's this great shot where he walks through like a curtain and the way that the shot mm. is framed is actually very, very pretty. And I thought, that is a good piece of cinematography there. It's called the, was... the Ula La Sexy French Riviera Club exactly where he has a residency as a pianist yep um no one touches the dead man's piano however <laughs> no that does not happen but um but yeah and and that and that particular shot i was like that is a good piece of framing but that was one of the few bits of the movie where i was genuinely impressed yeah <laughs> um in general it's it's not well framed um the pacing is very strange really odd that's the thing that it's, really throws it isn't it it's really yeah badly paced and the dialogue is just is is like wizoian dialogue it is very cheap and very very strange and very sort of telling the plot to each other but also telling the plot to you in a way that's moving it in a completely different direction from scene to scene (laughs) like yeah i'm i'm gonna prank call your dad now is he gonna be angry i don't know now back to tricky with the french goons you know it's like yeah (laughs) it's really um (laughs) Uh, I must have that disease. What's the name of it? It's called stupid. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Or in, like she, he's, she's like when he when she gets in the car with him, and he's like, you know, five minutes of your time. He's like, I just want five minutes of your time. And she goes, I'm taking you away. And he goes, she goes, no, I'm not. And he goes, oh yes, you are. And it's like a pantomime. His performance is like a pantomime villain. Yeah, it's ugh. it's ham, black, yeah. black and white ham. Um, there is a great bit where <laughs> Tricky says, "It's a full moon. I'm a werewolf, bitch. Kiss my ass." <laughs> yeah, now come on, that must have made you laugh. <laughs> that, that did make me laugh. Like, surely you um, you don't think that Tricky, like Jerome, is trying to be overly serious there? Like they're having fun with it. Yeah, uh, I think Jerome was probably my favourite part of the film. <laughs> um, there was also that really stupid scene where they're in a restaurant. And they shout, there's bats in the ceiling. Oh, yeah. And they shout bats. And everyone, <laughs> everyone runs away screaming up. at like three bats on the ceiling. Um, having Are been you in afraid France of bats? Where there's, having been in France where there's a lot of bats, most people would not give a shit if there were bats on the ceiling in their restaurant. Yeah. They're not it hurting really, anyone. Yeah, it's a really weird scene. And, and, and that's kind of like the peak wizzo coming through. It's really, ugh. It's literally about two minutes of people screaming and running from the restaurant. It's like a TARDIS. Like the restaurant was only big enough for about five people to go in it, but about two thousand people run out of yeah, it because of the bats. It's, it's really, um, it's really weird. It's <laughs> such a weird film, but it's not weird in an entertaining way. It's weird in a boring way. I don't. It's, it's such a boring film. I don't know. I I found it interesting just because it was very odd and stupid and because it was Prince. I reckon yeah. if Prince had been born, I don't know, 20 years later, he'd have definitely been like making a vampire film around the time of Twilight. Yeah, I could see that. And and it's, Tricky would be oh. his, his werewolf friend. That, yeah, he'd be the werewolf friend, wouldn't he? <laughs> He's a, definitely a wolf boy. <laughs> wolf boys for life. Wolf boys for life. Kiss my ass, bitch. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's it's hard to it's a it's it's not great. <laughs> it's I not, think is a it's not it's, a good it's not great. It. it does not do justice to Prince's greatness. 
No, it doesn't. It 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 feels like and and the the thing that scares me is that this is not the worst rated Prince movie. No, I was going to say let's talk about the rest of Prince's oeuvre because there are two other Prince films that I just found out exist. Two other ones. Yeah, so you got um Graffiti Bridge. Yeah, you've got Graffiti Bridge, which is the the pseudo sequel to Purple um, Rain, which maybe we can watch for like episode two hundred or some shit. And then there's Three Chains O Gold. Have you have you aware of this? No. What is this? So, well, I'll I'll read you the this synopsis from Wikipedia. Three Chains O Gold is a 1994 American director video film produced and directed by Prince and starring Prince in the New Power Generation. It is a collection of videos for songs from Love Symbol tied together with a loose plotline. Wait for it. The film was the 69th best-selling video of 1994. Nice. <laughs> um, so that sounds like a kind of one of those weird pseudo-narrative you've got movies. To, you've got to look up the out. cover for it because it's got like... I have just found yeah. the cover. <laughs> it's got Prince holding up like that a, is amazing. Ele- electricity coming from his hands and a ball with the love symbol on it. And it looks really cheap and bad. It, that does look really awful. Um, it, it reminds me, the, the idea of that reminds me of Nine Inch Nails did a, a long form music video for the Broken EP back in 1993. Um, that was like, it was meant to feel like a snuff film, basically. Um, so it, so there's like a, a video for each of the songs on the EP, which I think there's six songs on the EP or something like that. Um, and th- there's like a loose video for each of them and it's all sort of like interspliced together. Um, it was never officially released, but it basically got leaked by someone and became this notorious video nasty in the 1990s. Right. Um, so much so that I think there was a, there was almost like an investigation by the police into whether it was a real murder movie, basically. Shit. Um, and and so these kind of these kind of things are done by artists every so often, where they do these weird sort of like long form music videos that are vaguely tied together by a by a loose plot. Um, so I guess that's what Three Chains of Gold is like. Yeah, it just uh, yeah, it sounds like that, but really awful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and the the broken movie is is awful. Oh really? Yeah, well, well, some of it's quite. Some of the bits in it are decent. Like it, it's quite. It, it's got that kind of like industrial, like industrial gothic feel to it, which is obviously like interesting and it's very much of its time. But it's not like enjoyable to watch. Right. Whereas, um, I think, um, I think Three Chains of Gold is probably enjoyable to watch in a, in a yeah, as they say, a sort of Wizzoian way. Plus, it's got it's got the music from the Love Symbol album, some of which is good. My name is Prince, and I am funky. <laughs> I like my Ben and Jerry's to be chunky monkey. That's how it goes, right? Yeah, of course. It was a commercial for Ben and Jerry's. Yeah, he released it alongside the Mail on Sunday <laughs> album. He wrote to Ben and Jerry, and he was like, hey, have you, if you guys, are you guys aware of this newspaper, the, the Mail on Sunday from England? And they were like, no, because we're from Vermont. And he was like, well, you should read it because it tells me everything I need to know about how immigrants are bad. And they were like, oh yeah, okay, let's let's do some ice cream. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what happened. Yeah, it was a different time in 1994. It was a different time, um, a time of commercialism and Egyptian law. Yeah. And and ice cream. <laughs> yeah, so we'll have to get round to that and to Graffiti Bridge at some point. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, okay, I'm not sure what else I've got to say about Under the Cherry Moon. It's just, it drained my life, Paddy. <laughs> you, you are totally welcome. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's see. I have a little bit of, I have a little bit of um Let me, let me just check my notes. Did I put anything else? I wrote down, she is posh. She is posh. That's true. She puts in a very posh voice. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, they're they're posh people, and Prince is not posh. Yeah, that's that's good. After their money, Ooh. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the film in a nutshell. Imagine yeah. that, but black and white, and with Prince, at, and it lasts a hundred minutes. It lasts a hundred minutes, and with Prince doing a lot of like gurning and laughing like a hyena, 
And yeah, there's lots of weird gurning and weird sort of like <laughs> eye movements, I suppose, as well. And everyone's favourite furious man, Stephen Burkhoff, chewing the scenery. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then they, after it's all over, they go to the Recosto. Yeah, that's exactly what happens. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, and, right, so, oh, and at one point he shouts piss. And at one point he shouts piss. Um, right, so trivia. Trivia here. Yeah, hit me. Um so so the world premiere for this movie was won by a contest on MTV. So it was held in Sheridan, Wyoming oh. for the 10,000th caller. Imagine that, that you won this being premiered in your town. Wow. What a, what a victory. I would love for them to, to <laughs> premiere this in, I don't know, the, the weird village hall in Byfleet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it would be great. Just imagining, like, Prince turning up to, to Hayward's Heath yeah. in West Sussex. <laughs> um, the village hall, which I think is probably mostly empty, and then people occasionally hire it out for wakes when one of the many old people in this area dies. Exactly, exactly. Um, so Kristen Scott Thomas clearly does not like this movie. Um, she said in an interview, when I left a drama school, I was more afraid of not working at all than of the actual material I was being offered. And if you look at my very first film, you'll understand exactly what I mean. Oh, well, surely it must have been exciting to work with Prince. Well, I don't necessarily think that Prince was a dear to work with on this film, um, because not only did the original director leave over creative differences, um, Terence Stamp quit in early production which is why we got Stephen Burkhoff so yeah it seems like it was a bit chaotic behind the scenes which you know doesn't surprise me um however uh Prince wrote Manic Monday using the pseudonym Christopher Tracy uh-huh. um, which is the the name of his character in this film um which yes so there is one good thing to come out of <laughs> under the cherry moon <laughs> And that is that a decent song was written by the main character, supposedly. <laughs> yeah, when it when he was in between being a gigolo. Yeah, when he was being in between being a gigolo and getting shot and riding a boat. Yeah, it wasn't even his own boat. It wasn't his own boat. He did have a nice car, though. He did have a nice car. Wonder where that car is now. Probably at the bottom of the ocean. Do you think they shot the car as well? <laughs> yeah, definitely. We, you know, like, we, quick, we have to we have to get rid of it all. <laughs> We've got to make sure. Yeah. Shoot his car too. Um, but yeah, so uh, that that that's it for me from Under the Cherry Moon. I don't know if you've got anything else. No, that's. I, I think I've said everything I need to say. It's kind of it's it's weird and bad, but I think it is a curiosity, and there are things about it that are intriguing and goofy and fun, and I, I do think it's worth. It's still worth watching. I do think it is worth your time. If if you really hate Prince, you'll probably end up hate watching the film. But if you like Prince and you appreciate his music and what a great he was, then I think you'll find it interesting. And so, there's some goofy moments that will entertain you. And the music is very good. Yeah, the, the, the music is good. I don't think it's enough to warrant watching this movie, though. I don't think it really offers much as a curio either. Uh. Um, yeah, I'm not a fan. You just hate Prince. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's what, that's what, we've, that's what we've established. <laughs> I despise Prince and everything he stands for. That's what that's what it is. Yeah. Um. <laughs> <laughs> All right, how do how do we rate this? Oh, also, sorry, one last thing. There's a one point where he's in the bath and he's wearing like a massive hat. That just oh, yeah. that just about sums it up, doesn't it? And the weird thing where he's he's bathing, um, and like playing with a rubber duck. Yeah, as well. Because there's like a weird childlike sense of humour to it as well, isn't there? Yeah, it's a strange, a strange bad film. Yep. Um, yes, yeah, so how are we going to rate this? Um, let's see. Also, there's one bit where, it, like, for, for like the last half hour of the film, he's in his pyjamas. He's wearing just like his pyjamas and he's, a dressing gown. He's just gown. wearing PJs, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, Prince's outfits in this film. Amazing. Um, so yeah, let's see how many French goons are coming around to beat you up for negging Stephen Burkhoff's daughter. I think, I think there's only going to be three for me. Oh. Same that came for, same that came for, uh, old Tricky. That is, yeah, well, I reckon Tricky can take him in that case. 
<laughs> See, I, I'm willing to go a fair bit higher than that. I'm going to give it a nine. I think it's it's almost there, almost halfway. <sighs> that is very generous, Paddy. Yeah, I, I'm feeling I'm feeling generous. You know, I'm feeling positive. No negativity here. Oh, mate, it's so bad. Good vibes it's only. Such a, it's such a bad film. Good vibes only in my recosto. <laughs> all right there you go episode 100 (laughs) 100 episodes of this bullshit (laughs) all right what are we watching next what have you what have you chosen to follow up this masterpiece (laughs) i've decided paddy i'm gonna show you what a real bad movie looks like oh geez here we go none of this fucking boring nonsense (laughs) we're getting action we're getting love we're getting explosions. And because Game of Thrones is coming back very soon, I thought I'd look at one of the highlights of the non-Game of Thrones career of one of its lead actors. So we will be watching 2014's Pompeii. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Even just the poster of that was enough to make me think, fuck that film. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I I hate you so much. <laughs> You're you're punishing me, aren't you? You are punishing me for making I'm you not, watch Under the Cherry Moon. I'm not punishing you. It is hilarious and entertaining. See, episodes 100 to 200 of this show, it's just going to be like us attempting to punish each other with incre- <laughs> increasingly awful, like, hateful films. We're just going to watch worse and worse and worse movies. I can't believe you'll be so dismissive of a movie by the director of the Resident Evil movies, Paddy. <laughs> who, is, who even is that? Uh, Paul W.S. Anderson. Oh, yeah, the best, yeah. The best <laughs> Paul Anderson <laughs> of the lot. <laughs> the second best Paul Anderson. <laughs> that's like the second best drummer in the Beatles <laughs> but like who? what directors do you hate I'm just planning how I can punish you um, um, I hate I really hate Paul Verhoeven he's the worst oh yeah yeah I know you, you're always going on about how much you hate his work <laughs> <laughs> same with that Ridley Scott yeah I Oh, there, to be fair, there are some Ridley Scott films I really don't like, so you might find okay, you might gonna, find some winners in there. I'm going to find one of those. Uh. In fact, there's actually a couple. There's actually a couple of Paul Verhoeven movies we could watch on this. Yeah, because um, I think he directed Showgirls, didn't he? Did he? Notor- notorious flop Showgirls. Oh yeah, maybe he did. Which we could probably. <laughs> We could probably watch for this. All right. Lo- um, lots of choices there. Yep. But yeah. Um, no, we're watching Pompeii because Pompeii's great. It's got everything a movie needs. Is it great in the same context as like Make America Great Again? <laughs> it is great in the context of amazing explosions oh, and gladiator God, battles. It, it's described as a romantic historical disaster film exactly we've already we've already watched titanic isn't it enough that we've covered one of those already (laughs) (laughs) it's brilliant you're you're gonna love it paddy i'm telling you now you're gonna love it yeah i I can't wait (laughs) (laughs) All all right Well, thank you all very, very much for tuning in and for supporting us through 100 episodes of this nonsense. We genuinely, really, really do appreciate it and hope that you've enjoyed us talking about great films, not so great films, and that maybe you've discovered some films that you might not have watched otherwise, um, along with our opinions about them. Yeah, of the 100 films we've watched so far, what's your favourite and what's your least favourite? Yes, do get in touch and tell us. Favourite, least favourite. On Twitter, at BigBoysDon'tPod, on the emails bigboysdon'tcrypodcast at gmail.com I always love to hear from you and please remember to rate, comment and subscribe and other social media things. Do a like. Yes, like our stuff. Give us give us an official like, not just the emotional liking. Yep. The, the big real thumbs up. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Alright, and we will be back next week to talk about Pompeii. Alrighty. Alrighty. Bye-bye. Bye.
He's wearing just like his pajamas and he's, a dressing. He's just girl. wearing PJs. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, Prince's outfits in this film, amazing. Um, so yeah, let's see how many French goons are coming around to beat you up for negging Stephen Burkoff's daughter. I think I think there's only going to be three for me. Oh. Same that came for, same that came for uh, old Tricky. That is, yeah. Well, I reckon Tricky can take him in that case. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> see, I I'm willing to go a fair bit higher than that. I'm going to give it a nine. I think it's it's almost there, almost halfway. <sighs> that is very generous, Paddy. Yeah, I, I'm feeling I'm feeling generous. You know, I'm feeling positive. No negativity here. Oh, mate, it's so bad. Good vibes it's only. Such a, it's such a bad film. Good vibes only in my recosto. <laughs> oh, All right, there you go. Episode 100. <laughs> 100 episodes of this bullshit. <laughs> All right, what are we watching next? What have you, cho- well, what have you chosen to follow up this masterpiece? I've decided, Paddy, I'm going to show you what a real bad movie looks like. Oh, jeez. Here we go. None of this fucking boring nonsense. (laughs) We're getting action. We're getting love. We're getting explosions. And because Game of Thrones is coming back very soon, I thought I'd look at one of the highlights of the non-Game of Thrones career of one of its lead actors. So we will be watching 2014's Pompeii. Oh, Jesus Christ. (laughs) Even just the poster of that was enough to make me think, fuck that film. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I hate you so much. <laughs> you're, you're punishing me, aren't you? You are punishing me for making I'm you not, watch Under the Cherry Moon. I'm not punishing you. It is hilarious and entertaining. See, episodes 100 to 200 of this show, it's just going to be like us attempting to punish each other with incre- increasingly awful, like, hateful films. We're just going to watch worse and worse and worse movies. I can't believe you'll be so dismissive of a movie by the director of the Resident Evil movies, Paddy. <laughs> who, is, who even is that? Uh, Paul W.S. Anderson. Oh, yeah, the best, yeah. The best <laughs> Paul Anderson <laughs> of the lot. <laughs> the second best Paul Anderson. <laughs> that's like the second best drummer in the Beatles <laughs> but like who? what directors do you hate I'm just planning how I can punish you um, um, I hate I really hate Paul Verhoeven he's the worst oh yeah yeah I know you, you're always going on about how much you hate his work <laughs> <laughs> same with that Ridley Scott yeah I Oh, there, to be fair, there are some Ridley Scott films I really don't like, so you might find okay, you might gonna, find some winners in there. I'm going to find one of those. Uh. In fact, there's actually a couple. There's actually a couple of Paul Verhoeven movies we could watch on this. Yeah, because um, I think he directed Showgirls, didn't he? Did he? Notor- notorious flop Showgirls. Oh yeah, maybe he did. Um, which. We could probably, we could probably watch for this. All right, Lo- um, lots of choices there. Yep, but yeah, um, no, we're watching Pompeii because Pompeii's great. It's got everything a movie needs. Is it great in the same context as like Make America Great Again? <laughs> it is great in the context of amazing explosions oh, and gladiator God, battles. It, it's. Described as a romantic historical disaster film. Exactly. We've already we've already watched Titanic. Isn't it enough that we've covered one of those already? (laughs) (laughs) It's brilliant. You're you're gonna love it, Paddy. I'm telling you now, you're gonna love it. Yeah, I I can't wait. (laughs) (laughs) All right. All right. Well, thank you all very, very much for tuning in and for supporting us through 100 episodes of this nonsense. We genuinely, really, really do appreciate it and hope that you've enjoyed us talking about great films, not so great films, and that maybe you've discovered some films that you might not have watched otherwise, um, along with our opinions about them. Yeah, of the 100 films we've watched so far, what's your favourite and what's your least favourite? Yes, do get in touch and tell us. Favourite, least favourite. Um, on Twitter, at BigBoysDon'tPod. On the emails, BigBoysDon'tCryPodcast at gmail.com. 
I always love to hear from you. And please remember to rate, comment, and subscribe and other social media things. Do a like. Yes, like our stuff. Give us give us an official like, not just the emotional liking. Yep. The, the big real thumbs up. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. All right, and we will be back next week to talk about Pompeii. Alrighty, Alrighty. bye-bye. Bye. Bye.